Welcome to episode 221 of Upper Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs, sometimes a lot. And I, I'm Kay Bradley. Today we have a special guest returning after a hiatus of 178 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a local musician, vice columnist, wine snob, aficionado. Aficionado. Yeah, yeah why much would you diss him snob. in the first fucking part of I the show? No, I, like, I do tend to be a snob, so it's... Oh, okay. I, I, feel like, I feel like wine snob is like inherently flattering. It's like you've spent enough time like thinking about wine that you know what you're talking about. You're allowed to be like, you're allowed to be a wine snob, you know? Yeah, or you're just so bored with your life that grape juice has become your favorite hobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's another way to look at it. It's Billy F. Hello! Hello! Yay. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was thinking about it. And so you were on episode 34, I think. Holy so my shit. math is probably wrong earlier, um, which was like six months into us starting the show. It was before we had had any like any type of guest who was like more than just like outside our friend circle. You know? <laughs> um, and it was like four years ago, which is crazy. Yeah, that's well, insane. Half, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you guys did good for yourselves. Yeah. Things are things are okay. Yeah, We've, now we're in a more confined black box. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. At the time, we were in like your living room. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even like really soundproofed. It was very yeah. echoey, and yeah, but we it was could, a lot of fun. We could hear Sam peeing on the other side of the door <laughs> if Sam had to pee. Now we don't have to hear Sam at all, except in the theme music. <laughs> all right. You won't hear anyone pee on this episode. Well, let's not, make, uh, <laughs> let's not make promises. Kate's got a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you putting this on me? My bottle's half empty. I can control myself. All right. I can't control myself, so I might pee. Well, yeah. don't pee on any of the equipment or we'll have to charge you $300. Because <laughs> <laughs> if people don't know this, there's a sign outside that says that if I spill water on anything, they'll charge me $300. Yeah. I don't, I, no one's done it, so I don't know if I'd follow really? through, but like... It feels like a good way to just like express that like, yeah, the equipment's expensive, so be careful, you know? Yeah. You, you just took so much oomph out of your little sign there by saying you <laughs> might follow through. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would it would depend, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah. But the, the idea is that like the most expensive individual item is $300. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, it would probably be less unless they figured out what the specific thing was. You know what? No, like, just keep that you know, flat fee of $300. Yeah. Because right? then I can replace cheaper things exactly <laughs> it's like pour water on the hundred dollar mic replace it with a three hundred dollar <laughs> yeah now we see you're gonna you're gonna like unlevel the floor and stuff so that people have like accidents on purpose absolutely that's how you build an empire yeah <laughs> indeed indeed oh god that's really yeah fuck so what's new man what are you up to these days not much um i still drink a lot of wine I go to work every morning and then DJ like three nights a week and I'm perpetually exhausted, but, uh, but it's a nice little lifestyle. 
Yeah. That sounds like a lot. You said not it much, is. but it sounds like a lot. It is. And then, like, this is a good time right now because we wanted to do this earlier, but uh-huh. I'm still in school. So, mm-hmm. oh, on top of all of that? of that? Yeah. <laughs> Whoo. What are you studying? Uh, I'm studying French literature. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Not that that's something I particularly needed to study. It's <laughs> so it's just for the helpful. passion and joy of it? Or? Yeah. I mean, like, I just wanted to stay in, in university a bit longer and, um, I just decided to go with like the thing that would be the easiest and you know I've just been coasting for the past three years now so sweet one more semester we're done yeah well good for you sticking out with it and I feel like yeah if if I was gonna go back to school I don't know if I'd go back to school for something with like an obvious career track I think I'd go back for something that like just seems like it'd be interesting you know yeah like stimulating yeah well I mean the thing is that you know I've spent like probably the past 10 years now just waiting for things in music to go so well that I just quit everything. So I just keep putting like everything in my life on hold and and try to concentrate on that. So yeah, that must be hard with all the different paths that you're on at the same time. I mean, it is like a, to be honest, I have like outstanding plan B's like even if it never hurts, just like, you know, because I mean, I say music doesn't work, but like I still get to travel a lot and, right. and play a lot of shows and meet new people. So, um, you know, I mean, like if I never become Drake, I, w- I will still have a very happy and fulfilling life. Wonderful. Right? But I still want to become Drake. Right. <laughs> of course. You yeah. can't squash that dream bubbling in your guts. Yeah. You can't. No. I mean, especially with that brand new jet he just bought you guys see that no it's like 160 million dollar jet and it looks so nice jump change yeah Uh, i get that though like i'm not even like i've been out of music for like four or five years now probably and like even i still want to be drake yeah (laughs) you know if i if i don't ever become drake i'll be fine but like that's the end goal yeah. yeah, yeah. But then I also wonder, like, if there was no Drake, like, what is the most that we could aspire to as musicians? You know, like, John if there Mayer. was no Drake, would I be, like, just as happy as I would be happy being Drake if I was just doing what I'm doing now? Mm. Yeah. I think you said Drake too many times in that sentence and I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Drake, if you're listening, hit me up. Oh. Swap lives. I'm trying to imagine what it feels like to step into that jet. Mm. Like it's probably like perfectly. Have you seen the the perfect level in Rick and Morty, where no. he he has this he scientifically engineers the perfect level floor, and then Morty <laughs> goes on it and loses his mind because <laughs> it's just perfect. That's what I'm kind of imagining that you just step in there and it's like you're in space, but you're not in space, and you're right. full, but you haven't eaten, and you're. You know, yeah. you, you just came, but you, you're clean all over. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think, what I'm imagining. <laughs> I, I remember Community had an episode where they went into, like, the room temperature room that was, like, oh, yeah. tempered to be the exact temperature that room temperature is. It's uh-huh. like, you don't feel anything, right? This is it. When people say room temperature, this is the room. Crazy. Yeah. Comfort. Yeah. What's your ideal comfort? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's actually like an, an argument that we have a lot with my girlfriend because she's oh, yeah? always like, I am not comfortable. And I just think I was a cook for so long and like in very formative <laughs> years in my life, I never learned to be comfortable. I never learned to like pay attention to my surroundings and be like, oh, is this light too bright? Is this mm-hmm. music too loud? Like I'm just like... Because stimulation was I'm, just I'm like just ongoing. I'm just happy to like be sitting down. You know? Oh, right, right. Yeah. And she has higher standards. Yeah. Huh. I, I think that there's also something like 
societal about that because like I think I know a lot of dudes who have the same thing of like not taking care of ourselves because we're used to not giving a shit yeah and like like Teffer's always like encouraging me to like you know get a haircut sooner because it'll make you feel better (laughs) or like you know if I'm like uncomfortable she'll be like do a thing to make yourself comfortable and I'm like I'll just deal with it it's fine yeah and like that's just something that's ingrained in me because like I think like I was kind of raised like thinking like you know you've just got to be strong and like deal with whatever. And it's like, no, sometimes it's okay to like make baby cozy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I think also just uh, being raised mostly Catholic uh, has, has, yeah, put me in that situation where I like feel guilty if I'm like mm. too happy or too comfortable. Oh or my too goodness. Angry. There's got to be like a base level of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I always need to be like suffering just a tiny bit. To, yeah. Like, yeah be rightful in the eyes of god i get that i get that i've been doing a lot of work to like deconstruct the the sort of self-destructive things the church taught me over the years yeah like it's hard like there because a lot of it is framed in ways that make it sound good and productive right where it's like you're either doing it so that you can be closer to god which is good or Mm -hmm. doing it so that you can like you're, you're like sacrificing yourself to make others you know comfortable or whatever and like to an extent that's a good thing uh huh. but like you can't do that to the point where you're you know, destroying yourself, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you still need to be a little comfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, the weird thing with the church too is like, it's, so I don't know how how what what your experience with church was like, but like, I like, I mean, my parents uh, did go to church from time to time, but like, mostly it was just when I was like, I don't know, probably like eleven or twelve, and like I started doing drugs and drinking like real young like ridiculously young (laughs) and then when I when I quit doing that I was like okay like I need discipline like I need something it wasn't even God like I don't think I believed in God at that time but I was just like I need I need discipline I need community like Mm -hmm. I need something I I need a a set of rules yeah leaders I need to like people to look up to and all that kind of yeah so so now you know I think I still have that thing where like there's a lot of rules of the Catholic church that I abide by just cause like they made sense to me right at the time. And so, yeah, like being surrounded with people who have never been to church and are like, why are you like this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had an answer. Yeah. I get that. I like my, you know, I grew up just with my mom and she was, is an atheist. And I started going to church when I was 12 or 13. Uh, not cause I had, you know, been doing hard drugs or anything, but just cause I was like bored and felt like I needed something, you know, to do. Yeah. And like the closest friend I had who lived a block over was a person that I met at school who like went to church and we went to the same summer camp. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to, you know, his church. And like you're, you, there is like a community thing that you get there that like is really appealing when you're like yeah. looking for, you know, something to ground you. Right. But, uh, yeah, there's also a lot of like weird shit that sort of <laughs> makes its way in there. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I must've like, there's no way that you haven't said that your mom's an atheist before, but that's, I find that very interesting because <laughs> to me, the experience with friends or, or uh, other, other situations is that the parents were the main start of the religious path. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's interesting to hear that it was just through like, Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so part of it was that like the camp that we went to was like a Christian day camp because it was the only one that would take me for free, and my mom couldn't afford anything else. Right. And she was kind of like iffy about it, but mm-hmm. like my friend was there, so she was like, "All right, cool, whatever." Um, 
And then like, you know, when I started going, it created this rift between me and her that was like, I immediately was like, you're not like, holy, you're not a <laughs> well, yeah. which was yeah. bullshit. Cause my mom was like probably a better person than a lot of the people that I was going to church with. That like, must've been hard. It was, it was a weird tension through high school where we like respected each other, but like didn't at the same yeah. time, and then, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But I feel like that, like, yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what, a lot, what happens with a lot of people, right? Where like the parents are like religious and then the kids kind of break away from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's always going to be some kind of tension, right? Because like, especially with teenagers, you're going to try and find a reason to disagree with your parents about something. And you're going to like dig your heels in the ground and be like, look at my rebellion. And it's like your rebellion is that you go to church on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> Fucking loser. <laughs> go back to doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Man. Yeah, I wish I had smoked weed in high school because now I like weed. No, buddy, never yeah. say that. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Well, so the thing in like so in I, small amounts, I wish that I had like occasionally at a party smoked a joint. You know, yeah. like I could have done that and been fine, but I I just avoided it entirely till like last year, <laughs> and I feel like that's really? kind of wasted time a little bit. Yeah, I went yeah. to art school, so like we did everything <laughs> oh. real young. You know, I mean, I think the. First time I drank and did drugs was probably like at the same time. Wow. And I, and I did like a whole bunch of different things. And that was like on a Wednesday afternoon. So, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I had skipped man. school right. to go hang out at the McGill campus with the older kids and do drugs. Um, Jeez. But then, so what happened is that like a lot of my friends, obviously at, you know, 10 and a half, 11, were not like, we will come with you and drink yeah. and do drugs. Yeah. So, like, I quit and then a whole bunch of my friends like started smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, blah, right. blah. And then like they had reached my level, so to speak, <laughs> by the time they graduated from high school or even when they got to CJEP. Yeah. But some of them, you know, held off from it for so long that they just like fell in it super hard. Mm. Whereas now, like I'm really good, you know, that anyone who like knows me or follows me on Instagram or whatever, like knows that I drink a lot of wine, like a ridiculous <laughs> amount of wine. <laughs> But I'm also really good at being like, okay, like I had two glasses and like, that's fine. I can step away now. Right. You know, your limits. go home. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. I, that's why like hide, like hiding children from things mm-hmm. to me is always the worst thing because yeah, then it's like yeah. you end up with your first sexual experience. You know nothing about what's going on. And mm-hmm. you're like, wait, I should wait. I'm, he's telling me I should, but should I? I don't fucking. Eh. Which you one know? of us has the penis? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If if you if you don't mind sharing, was yeah. it a uh, because it became too much when you were the like was it a personal choice? Was it- uh, yeah, I just don't think I liked it that much. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, like so I was smoking a lot of weed and I was also selling weed, which is insane because I think of myself at like eleven or twelve, like selling weed to well, older people, geez. and not that I needed to. Like I come from a good family, like money was never a problem, but I was just like so bored oh, that wow. I needed something to do. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I started hanging out with dudes who were dealing drugs. Um, <laughs> my career as a, as a drug dealer was short-lived. So. Fair. But, yeah, no, so, I, 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 like, I just think I didn't like it that much. And that's, you know, even now, like, I could go back to doing drugs and I could probably do it occasionally and, like, be right, smart yeah. about it. But I'm just not right. that interested. So really good self-awareness. Yeah. Like, just like, I, I guess. Feel like well, I mean, like, I, this. you know, uh, when I was, when I was, like, heavy into cooking, I was drinking way too much and probably doing way too many drugs again but i like so i didn't drink and do drugs again until i graduated from high school 
Okay. Like the first time I started drinking again was at my after prom. Right. And I drank like 54 beers. Oh <laughs> like, my goodness. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. There's, there's something like interesting about, so I, I had a drinking problem from like 18 to maybe like all, I'll say to 20. Cause I started mm-hmm. trying to quit when I was 19, but like, uh, and like that sort of period of like, you know, being depressed all the time and drinking a lot to deal with it. Now I have a really good sense of like what I like where I'm at all the yeah. time, you know, mm-hmm. cause like I won't have a drink if I'm feeling shitty and I won't have a drink if I'm like too stressed. And like, you know, if a drink gets me to a place where I'm not feeling good, I'm immediately mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the only drink I'm having. And like, I, I have so much more awareness of where I'm at with my body and my mind yeah. now than I did yeah. before. And like, I feel like that in, in a way was valuable, but I would not recommend it yeah. either. You know, I'd see what that's insane. Cause like, so when you were 18, 19, 20 was like when we first met yeah. and I would never have guessed, No, but I was doing like the exact same thing. Like I, cause so Tom and I met at Dawson yeah. and I remember I was working at uh tyrant on the square, which was right next to Dawson. So I would go to school from like 10 to 2 and then go to work from 3 to midnight and then drink all night and then do that like five six days a week wow but so at at some point like i was so hungover that i would have my reusable starbucks mug (laughs) and i would stop at the dep and fill it with the paps and just like hang out in the corner of the class and nurse my hangover yeah and then go back to work every day yeah that's crazy booze yeah, yeah. I, I I had a drinking problem in <laughs> early college. Uh, yeah, it, uh, because it just it just makes sense. It's just like yeah. there's always another mm-hmm. can or bottle, and it just it just works, and you get all loose, and it's just mm-hmm. you know. And I, I had a friend that I would uh, go to, so my mom wouldn't see it, and then. Um, yeah, and then from time to time it pops up because this type of stuff I'm sure you can attest to this. It it stays with you. Sure. So yeah. like if I if I get into darker patches and my mom likes to stock the beer the fridge with like Costco beer when she comes over, <laughs> and then she leaves and I'm just like, there's so much beer in the fridge, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like. If I feel like shit and there's no weed around and they're like, well, you know, you go back to the beer and then right. it's just like you sink yeah. it back into it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why I like wine. Yeah. Because with wine, it's it's too expensive for me to like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Drink a, like I do drink way more than I should. <laughs> and I drink way more wine than anyone ever should. But, um, you know, I kind of justify because I'm like, well, it's my job, you know, like right. I am a wine expert. That's what I have to do to. Yeah. I browsed. I browsed on the way. I'm not a big reader, but I browsed some <laughs> articles and I saw one that was that was very like, oh, I didn't know anything about this. Um, I'm going to fuck this up. Skin. You're going to know where I'm going. Skin contact. Skin contact. Skin contact. That's wines. when you rub wine all over your yeah, arms. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Close. Close. So you specifically like know a lot about natural wine, right? Yeah. What the hell is natural wine? Oh, uh, and and also skin contact, like because yeah. I'm assuming there's some, you know, explain wine to us. Yeah. Well, so okay. that's the so real basically what happened here. is when we were still at Dawson and I was still cooking, mm. I started taking wine classes um, that the um, that the cooking school in Montreal, the ITHQ, were offering with the SAQ, mm. and um, and so I did my two levels. I did uh, just like general alcohol, and then I uh, specified in, um, I specialized in French wine. <laughs> and uh, so when I went back to Paris for the first time as an adult, which was in like 2012, 
this crazy thing was happening where like everyone was like, oh, you have to try this, c'est un vin nature, c'est un vin nature. And I was like, okay, like what's that? And so I thought it was just like organic grapes. Right. But then it turned out to be way more of like a philosophy. So basically when we say a natural wine, we mean a wine that is um, dry farmed, organically farmed, uh, probably biodynamically farmed. So using a, um, a lunar calendar. <clears throat> and, um, and then, yeah, so like you try to basically like when you buy, you know, a Depp wine or like most of the wines that we drink, yeah. um, they're dead. You know, there's just mm-hmm. like, even for it, just like a normal organic wine at the SAQ, uh-huh. there are between uh, 300 and 450 things that you can add to this wine and it will still be classified as a an organic wine. Okay. Huh. So when we say natural wine, we mean that we didn't add anything in it uh-huh. other than maybe a tiny bit of SO2 at bottling to stabilize it. But so basically like all the bacteria that naturally lives inside the wine oh. all the yeasts um th- those are still in there right um and so yeah so it's it's really just you know you crush your grapes you put your grape juice in a bottle and you let it hang out whoa and it's infinitely more interesting like the first time i learned about that i was like okay like this is what i want you know and also at the time this is something that's changing as it's becoming more of a of a trend yes yes (laughs) but um you know those bottles like i used to be able to buy bottles that are probably like 40 euros now for eight euros back then Uh uh-huh um and even here like like natural wines have always been uh they've always been made by like socialists and anarchists you know they're just like (laughs) the poor man's wine but they're also historically like the the guys who created natural wine the 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 big four, we call them. They're a bunch of guys in, in the Beaujolais. And these guys were hanging out with a lot of, of artists and philosophers. And they were just drinking all night, every night. And they were like, fuck, if we keep adding chemicals to our wines, like this oh. will destroy us. Huh. And we're going to have terrible hangovers. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they were like, maybe if we don't add anything, hmm. maybe if we just let the grape do what it wants, we'll have a wine that will not give us a hangover. And that's exactly what they did. Wow. Whoa. So it affects your body differently because yeah, it doesn't like, have all that like stuff Like I can in it. tell now, like I'm at the point where, you know, if I go somewhere and someone gives me a non-natural wine, like my body just rejects it. Like I right, smell yeah. it and I start to have a headache. Like, huh. and I, like I used to think it was all bullshit too. I was like, mm-hmm. it can't be that different. But yeah, then yeah. when I, you know, when, when I got really into wine, like how wine is made, I was like, fuck, okay, like there's all these <laughs> techniques that you can do to a grape to like have it do exactly what you want. But Whoa. at that point, can we still call that wine or does that just become like a grape-based alcoholic right. drink? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So actually now like there's a movement of people who are just not calling it natural wine anymore and they're just referring to anything that is not natural as chemical wine. Oh. Uh, That's fun. Yeah, which I, I think I should start doing. And so... um so yeah, like in the past two, three years, it's become a bigger thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of restaurants in Montreal have like exclusively natural wines okay. on, on their menu, cool. um, which I love. But then you also get a lot of people who are like, oh, is this natural? Is this is this a pet nat? You know, there's this thing called a pet nat mm-hmm. in, in natural wine, which is um, a sparkling wine, but with no SO2 added and no sugar added. So it's really just 
um, the yeast that eats the sugar that is naturally in the grape and farts out SO2, and that's how you get bubbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so now, like, every time I go to wine conventions, there's always, like, people who don't know that much about it, mm-hmm. and they're like, is this a pet gnat? Is this orange wine is the other big one? Yeah, so that yeah, that's is, the one I read, yeah. <laughs> so that's a skin contact one. I don't want to call it orange wine. I think it's a terrible idea because... Um, it, it's a technique and not a kind of wine. Right. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it like it can be orange. It, it can have an orange tint, but most of the wine, it's uh, most of the time, it's just white. Well, that's, or the, that's brown the point that or, hit me the most. It was like, well, if it's not always orange, why would you call it orange? Yeah. I mean, like it was just really a marketing term. Yeah. Um, huh. To make it's it like, oh, it's for different. To say, and, you know, yeah. and it just like since we already use colors to describe yeah, yeah. white wine, right. red wine, rose. Yeah, um, it's natural it to sense. do it. Yeah. yeah. So what what makes it a skin contact wine? Is it as well, obvious as the name? Yeah, I, I mean basically. So well, not um, the obvious that you're thinking. <laughs> Let's well, so I'm expand. picturing like squishing the grapes with your feet, like the guy in the cranberry commercial. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people still do that. Like a lot of the wines I drink. Um, are like very to make natural wine you can't make it on a large scale you know because yeah. like so much uh work and effort and and energy has to go into it that like most of the times it's just like a guy and maybe his wife or his boyfriend or whatever and then they'll have like their children help out and then maybe the neighbor and then they'll help the neighbor out but right. they'll make like I don't know, maybe like 5,000, 10,000 bottles a year, which is nothing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, that's sure, a yeah. very, very small production, considering that like most of the wines that you drink at the SAQ mm-hmm. are anywhere between like 100,000 bottles a year. And Oof, that's a big million, difference. You know? right. um, so, yeah, so basically when you make a white wine, you just crush the grapes and you don't uh, let them hang out with the skin because that will change the color, the structure, the texture. So, but for red wine, you do uh, leave it with the skin for, you You keep the juice with the skin for some time and that will add complexity. It will change the color. Huh. It will, you know, change a whole bunch of stuff. So basically you're just making a white wine as if you were making a red wine. Right, right, right. right. Um, so it's still like light and refreshing, but it can also be, infinitely more complex and flavorful and, I imagine. yeah and there's actual tannins much like you have in, in red wine yeah. you know when you mm-hmm. drink them and, and your mouth uh starts feeling weird well so those are tannins and you can have that in skin contact whites cool huh yeah so it's the grape skin and not the person skin yeah, yeah. that's the thing I, i'll admit i'm a little disappointed <laughs> <laughs> i love how you use the term hang out with the, like the, the grapes are just Literally, hanging out with yeah. the skin and the well you know the I bacteria mean, the thing is, is just like, hanging out I, I, I love it. it it's just easier so like a big part of my job is just like explaining very very complex things right. to people <laughs> at like a very basic level mm. uh, which is what i which is what i love the most about my job you know i think that no matter what i'm writing about if i'm writing about music from my writing about food or about wine or even, you know, the rare times that I do write about politics or, or gender and stuff like that. My job is just to like make sure that someone can read this in five yeah. minutes and never forget, right. You know what they just read. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like referring to grapes as small people and, <laughs> and imagining them hang out in a big bath of their own blood. That's so cool. That gets weirder the longer the metaphor goes. 
I really like how you said that you want you want it not just to be accessible, but that it can be remembered. Mm. Yeah. You know, like that it's something that is des- described simply so that your brain is like, oh, I get this and I'm also <laughs> stimulated by it. So I'll remember it. Mm-hmm. Like I totally like when you brought up the, the different uh, colors of the wine and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because my memory is shit. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I mean, you know, it's uh, making wine is an art, but it's also just like science and yeah. a lot of common sense. But to explain to someone, you know, because my if I get to do like one thing for even just this province or the city, if I get to like change one thing is that um, I'd like people to drink natural wine more. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And so it like I put a lot of effort in learning uh, all the reasons why people should not drink commercial wine. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One that so like most of the twist cap bottles that you get in Quebec, mm. uh, which are by far the best sellers are brought in in huge, like, tanker ships Oof. and then filled up in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're often very unsanitary. Right. There's often, you know, dead rats hanging out in there. They oh, have to, no. And that's, you know, that's, that's like a month-long trip across the Atlantic. Yeah. So there's yeah. a shitload of chemicals that have to go <laughs> oh, into it man. to, like, stabilize it. So, you know, in a commercial wine, I think, so uh, Foliadeur, uh, the Ménage à Trois Filiadeur is uh, the most sold wine in Quebec. Hmm. And I think that they use like three different processes to make it and add, I think it's uh, like over 100 chemicals to it. Ha! Yeah. No. Because I mean, the, the is... other thing that they're looking for is consistency. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. You know, like yeah. it, it's kind of like champagne. Um, you know, in champagne, you keep all your wine and then every year you assemble different uh different parcels of wine to make something that will consistently taste the same every right. year that's yeah. uh unless you get a um a vintage bottle so that will say for example like sure. 1989 because all those grapes are from 1989 yeah, yeah. Uh, but most of the time you can get you know wines in there that are as old as 50 years old in you know mm-hmm. the regular bottle of champagne that you get and so that's kind of what they want to do with commercial wine it's uh-huh. not like if I have a Foliadre now and if I have one in four years, they will taste exactly the same. It's like the, mm. it's the Big Mac. Idea, yeah. You know? Right. Bleh. Weird. I don't like that. But no. so as a cook, what I hated about a lot of the restaurants I worked at was that like people wanted that. They were like, I had this tartare last time. It was amazing. I want it done the exact, exact same way. Same and I'm way, like, yeah, yeah. no, that's boring. Like I made it that way three weeks ago because like that's what I had and right. that's what I felt like making. Yeah. Yeah. And, but now it's, you know, the temperature is not the same. I have different ingredients. Like, I have become a better cook in those three <laughs> weeks. Like, I want to try new things. Yeah, yeah. Right. So to know that there was that equivalent in wine where someone was like, these two bottles are made with the grapes from the same vine, but they're wildly different. Mm. And if you let Exciting. them chill for like another 10 years, they'll be even more different. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we don't like risk with things we put in our mouths. No. No. Am I right? Yeah. 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 But we should. We should. We should embrace it. You know, yeah. it's a risk I'd like to take. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what risk? Do you guys want to risk a trip to the, to the cash corner? corner? <laughs> Segway King. Before we do that, I'm going to read a little word from our sponsors. Oh. This episode is brought to you in part by chaos. Not the concept. 
but the company, they spell it with a K, you guys, K-H-A-O-S. Are you looking to produce some high-quality branded content without breaking the bank? Chaos makes content marketing easy, affordable, and accessible by offering a studio-on-demand model and various subscription packages. 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 Subscription packages that make it easy to create consistent content for your audience and potential customers. They got professional sound equipment for podcasts and voiceovers like this one, cinema grade cameras, lenses and lighting packages, live stream capability and event hosting, and so much more. Whether your business is starting a podcast, building a video empire, or adding live streams to your social media pages, they've got a package that will help you create consistent and reliable content for your audience. Go to createchaos.com or check them out at Instagram at createchaos to find out more. That's createchaos with a K. And an H? Did you say there was an H? Yeah, it's like chaos, the word chaos, but with a K instead of a C. Right. Chaos. Mm. Gotcha. So check out chaos. Is, is, it, is it time? Is it, is it, is it time? Is it? Yeah. Is it time? <laughs> Welcome to the Cash Corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. The way you spend your money says a lot about you as a person. If you have the budget to spend ethically, you absolutely should. But if you're broke like we are, it can be really hard to make sure your money ends up in good hands. A lot of the companies that can guarantee ethical production end up having to charge more to compete with the bigger, less ethical brands. One cheap way to spend your money that guarantees it ends up in the pockets of people who are nice and good is to use it to support creators who make content you enjoy and believe in. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month, so it was going so well. <laughs> if you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at Patreon.com/slash/UpForDiscussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Jan, Killian, Angie, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, and Kate. You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to submit the featured question for an episode once per cycle on the show. Today's featured Patreon question comes from Thomas, not me, the other Thomas, who asks, Do environmental or ethical concerns influence your dietary slash grocery decisions? For example, no to avocados and beef, yes to free-range chickens. I'm going to say no, really, for me, not much. But a little. Not at all? I feel like a maybe a little bit? I think, like, in theory... Because <laughs> you know? it's it's like we were saying in the copy, like it is hard to put your money where your mouth is sometimes. Yeah. Like if you're not a person who can spend like hundreds of dollars a week on groceries, sometimes your only option is to buy stuff that's not, you know, ethically sourced. And like that's, you know, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I'm like so torn with this issue because, you know, on the one hand, I can't be talking about natural wine all the time and being like, this is good for the environment, this is good for you, and then eating garbage. <laughs> That's what I do a lot of the time, you know? Right. Like, I'm I'm a fairly busy person, so I end up eating a lot of junk food, and, um, you know, I try to make dinner every night. Uh, and so, but, like, my mood changes all the time, and mm-hmm. I spent so long cooking in restaurants that I cook and think like a chef so i'm like hey Mm. what is like the most delicious thing that i can make for as little money as possible right yeah as quickly as possible and so a lot of the time i will this is how i justify the fact that i don't always buy like 
meat that has been well raised is that I'll like go to the corner where no one ever wants to go and I'll be like okay like uh shitty pork belly yes I know what to do with that Uh, (laughs) right yeah beef liver I know what to do with that Mm -hmm. and so I'll try to like work in a lot of things that people wouldn't otherwise eat Uh into Mm -hmm. my diet to like justify that an animal has been slaughtered and I you know I want to use the entire animal as much as I can and and show people that you know uh offcuts can be way more delicious than mm. you know a tenderloin or something sure yeah I get that a, a thing that I try to do as much as possible is like there's um so the the Provigo that we shop at the most is like they've got the standard you know cheap cut everything's like mm-hmm. you know factory processed meat whatever but they also have a like president's choice free from yeah is is nice because it's like a lot of chemicals left out and like usually the animals are like slightly better raised and you know so we try to get those because a lot of the yeah. sausages they make are fantastic too which is like the main thing is that you know the sausages don't cost much more than like you know the prefab whatever sausages and like i feel a little better buying them um, yeah. But a lot of the time, if I'm buying like a steak or something, I'll actually go to the butcher up on Monkland instead, yeah. where it's like, you know, a lot more, but it's a way better cut of meat and like yeah. you can taste the difference, you know? Yeah. Well, so like that butcher shop is the one I grew up going to. And when okay. I started uh, cooking and I would go there and then the guy would be like, I have this cut, like you have to try it. And yeah, I mean, like having a good relationship with your butcher is something that I definitely miss a lot. But yeah, like I, I just don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. it, it's also super weird because like so before we met, my girlfriend didn't eat that much meat mm. um, and I didn't eat that many vegetables. <laughs> and so we kind of like meet in the middle. Right. Um, and we also eat a lot of pasta. It's mm. like she fucking loves it. And I didn't eat it that much until I met her. But I... I've cooked in restaurants for so long. Yeah, I bet you can really make some sick pasta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always been a problem in my entire life. Like, all the things that I hated making, uh-huh. I was really good at. Oh, no. So, like, I hated making tartare. But, like, people would always ask me to make tartare because, like, I made it really well. Or, like, you know, creme brulees and stuff like that. Like, all the things I never wanted to make, people right. were always like. So, what's your, like, tartare. creates a rainbow in your mind? Um dish that you love to make oh that changes like every five minutes yeah <laughs> honestly <laughs> depending like, on the ingredients i, I think that you we have. actually talked about this the last time i was on but <laughs> like one of my favorite things ever ever to eat is just like really good bread uh-huh good cultured european butter anchovies and radishes mm. and like if i have that i am so happy with like a good <laughs> glass of light red wine like oh. radishes are like criminally underrated eh Dude, like they're so good. No one talks about radishes, but every time I eat radishes, I'm like, this is, it's like crunchy. It's like a little sweet, but a little like. They bite you. Yeah. They bite you yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. And so the people at Tuck Shop, shout out to my friends at Tuck Shop, um, they came up. I don't even know if they invented this, but this is genius. I saw this this week on Instagram. They take the radishes and pre-dip them in butter. <laughs> So they're just like coated in butter, uh-huh. fuck, just like you would do with like a strawberry and chocolate, I guess. Right. Sure. Yeah. And then they just like hang them, and then you can just like eat them, and you don't have to dip them in butter yourself. They're just like whoa. Wow. So you just got like a little rack of radishes yeah. pre-dipped in butter. That seems that messy. Nuts. Do you sell them in like little containers? I hope <laughs> you don't just have to grab a bunch of buttery. Well, no, because like then <laughs> they refrigerate them, so like the butter like oh. gets. It gets hard, so it's literally like a chocolate dip. Yeah, but 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 that's yeah, butter dipped radish. That's like 
disgusting and wonderful. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, that's such a gross idea. And also I want a thousand of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that sounds Butter really is good. also very underrated. I feel like yeah. a lot of people our age don't love butter as much as other people. I have. discovered butter really late. I was a mega picky <laughs> child and it was just like, it wasn't, I'm trying something and therefore I don't like it. It is, I'm not trying it and I don't like it. it like, yeah. you know, just forever. Um, and then I had a, a Christmas dinner at my, uh, aunt's place and she had crumpets with butter and jam and I just fucked like my brain just exploded. <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. I felt betrayed that I had not been given butter and jam before that moment. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, so, you know, if you guys ever go to France, make sure you get Baldier butter. Like, it's insanely expensive. I think it's something like probably like $100 a kilo. Oh, my God. Wow. But it is the best butter in the face of the year. Like, I could eat a pound of it a day. Do you bring and, it home with you? Any um, I rarely ever try. So like dairies really, cause like I do this thing where I always bring back more wine than I'm allowed, Sure, but I declare <laughs> it and they're like, Oh, whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> you're being <laughs> honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been doing that technique since I was like 16 <laughs> and have always gotten away with it. Um, but then, yeah, so I don't really take chances with dairy that sure. much. And also like, so you can't get bulgy here, but you can get, um, uh, Quebec alternatives are just as good. So like sure. Chagnon is the first one that, that comes to mind. Um, they recently started doing a cultured butter. Um, and yeah, cultured butter versus like regular butter. It's, it's kind of like chemical wine versus natural wine. Oh, right, right. <laughs> different worlds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Quebec has like decent dairy, eh? That's like... Oh, dude, it's amazing. Like yeah. we consistently win uh, dairy competitions with like our butters and our cheeses. Like yeah. it's, they're so good. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm with you on the like just sitting down with like a good bread good good cheese or good butter and just like you know that can make a day you know yeah like yeah I, that's all i really need a, f- a friend of mine recently said that she doesn't she doesn't bread at all and it it mm-hmm. it was hard to hear i was like but but bread does she have yeah. a gluten it's thing so, no then then she's just wrong i mean wow yeah it's just so good yeah it's so good yeah yeah I've wa- like one of my biggest dreams, and I kind of want to make it happen at some point, is to have a, a a small bedroom where the floor is covered in warm buns, and I just lay in the warm buns and I turn around and I nibble on the on the bread when I want to. <laughs> Maybe I could do it with a hammock. I could do it with a hammock. That's more realistic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you could fill a hammock buns. with buns. I'll send you pictures when it happens. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> With a glass of natural <laughs> wine in my hand. But yeah, like I think, like coming back to Thomas's question. Like, uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry, just because like this is something I think about a lot. Like now, you know, I used to just cook for myself, right? Because like mm-hmm. somehow I never had roommates who wanted to eat food. Like, you know, Sam, yeah. he doesn't eat, right? <laughs> Sam, Sam will have like a piece of bread with some Nutella and then nothing for like 17 hours. <laughs> And then get some takeout. And, like, I I always had roommates like that where, like, they just didn't really eat that much food. And so, like, I got used to just kind of making my own stuff. And, like, you know, I you can kind of splurge a little bit when you're cooking just for yourself. But when you're cooking for a family, it's, like, harder. Yeah. Uh, And, and like, you know, the kids don't eat much, like, you know, the picky kids don't eat much food. So it's some pasta and vegetables is fine for them and that's great but like you know for for me and Teffer, like we when we cook we try to make something a little nice and like as much as possible we try to get like meats that are like you know 
better yeah. in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that can add up, and, like, sometimes you just want to buy, like, the shitty no-name hot dogs and, like, oh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, like, buns that taste like plastic. And you're yeah. like, right, this is but it. This the, is what I want tonight. The thing with the it costing more for quality product that is mm. ethical and all this stuff is that what I've noticed when we've had patches of that, <laughs> because it never lasts, <laughs> right. um, is that you eat less. Sure. So you're not actually spending that much more for it because you like you you're 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 you you kind of feel like you need less of that meat in a meal to be satisfied. It's mm. you know like that's mm. my own personal experience. When the when the food is higher quality, I don't eat as much. Mm. I yeah. think I'm enough of a glutton that that's not true for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can eat like you know, I can eat four steaks. Yeah, I could. Yeah. I could do it. I could just sit down and eat like a hundred dollars worth of beef in one sitting and, and feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, so if I'm making a dish where like meat is going to be like the star of the show, then yeah, for sure. Like, either I'll it'll go two ways. Like, either I'll get a really nice, expensive cut of meat, or I'll get like a big shitty cut of meat and do the most delicious thing I can with right, it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could probably make magic with anything. Yeah, which, <laughs> that's which, amazing. You know, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because then I'm like really uninspired a lot of the time where I go to the market and I'm like, fuck, like they don't have those exact cremini mushrooms I want, oh, and they don't have yeah, like yeah. all that shit. Right. Um, but so yeah, so like I've been trying to do things that aren't as meat centric, and I'll just get like mm. literally like a shitty three dollar piece of meat, uh-huh. but like stretch it by sure. you know using a lot of vegetables bread spices pasta yeah yeah you can definitely like make like a small amount of meat go a long way if you like yeah oh yeah 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 if like you said it's not the star of the show yeah and if there's butter on everything around the meat and the meat then yeah (laughs) that's it what you do is you get a brick of butter for like three dollars hollow it out put like a two dollar steak in the middle (laughs) microwave use the butter as a bun yeah but then also the other thing I do is that like if I do get a bigger piece of meat, I will try to do as many different things with it as I can. So like, you right. know, if on like a Sunday I'll make like a roast chicken, then I will use that entire chicken sure. and do like seven dishes with it. Ooh. Right. And absolute worst case, you can make stock with whatever's left over. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm so hungry. I'm just imagining all the things you've made in your life and I just, ugh, I'm so hungry. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that there is like definitely like a a sort of like economic side to this right like it's not mm-hmm. just about environment and ethics it really is like there is an economy to the things that we buy right? yeah like i was thinking about it with like like clothing right um which like i think is the same question you know do you buy clothes that are like locally made do you buy things that are you know made in a sweatshop like probably you buy a lot of stuff that you don't realize is not made ethically and like that's kind of just you know, it's it's the system because yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, if you want to buy something that was made in Canada or in the U.S., you're probably going to pay twice as much for it. And like you can't always afford that. Right. Yeah. Like but the I reason think... that Walmart exists is because like there are a lot of people who can't afford to buy somewhere that's more expensive than Walmart. Yeah. But everything at Walmart is like made in China. And like yeah. that's why it's four dollars for like six T-shirts, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that, that brings up another point about how like there's so little that we like even when they say free range or whatever like that the the 
like the the legal side of what they print or what they put on things is so like there are so many products that are packaged in an eco-friendly way mm. but then it's just the words they're using or yeah. the brand is called green or right. you know like all this type of stuff that's super misleading so like when you see a top that's made in canada it might have been made in a sweatshop in Canada. Right. Like, so there's not that like easy, oh, okay, this can, uh, you know, and just accessibility in general. Like yeah. even if it's uh, beside the, besides the economic aspect of it, but the, like it's when you talk about getting fast food and stuff because you're mm-hmm. a busy guy, there aren't that many options yeah. to get something that's, cause it, that's fast and healthy at the same time. Like yeah. it, the, it's our society is built around these like shit food, massive corporations, uh, <laughs> like all the different, uh, or what I can't remember what to call them in English, but like, um, so that's the that's the marketing strategy of it. But there are ways there could be. I would love. I would eat there all the time if there was like a kudzuru by my house or something. Yeah. You know, it's just not around. <laughs> yeah, I face that a lot with. Um, so like we live in NDG, which to anyone who's not from Montreal is like kind of like a middle class neighborhood. Okay. And like we're in the Monklin Village, which is sort of trendy, and there's a lot of shops and you know mm-hmm. boutiques and stuff. But there's not a lot of like. Like, because of the type of neighborhood it is, I can't just get a burger, you know? Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, walk up to the main road and buy a burger somewhere. And, like, a lot of days, like, if I'm, you know, because Toby's home with me while I work during the day. And so, like, I have to take him for walks or he loses his mind and I lose my mind. And, you know, a part of my day is that I go out with him and, like, find lunch. And usually we go to the grocery store. But I wish I could just, like, walk up to a, a cart and buy a hot dog. And I yeah, can't. Yeah. Uh, and so like a lot of the like food that's around, like there's like you can get some some shawarma or you can get Subway. And yeah. basically otherwise you're going to have to sit down for 20 minutes or go to the grocery store. <laughs> I'm like, OK, uh, I can't even get like a good slice of pizza on Mugland. It's yeah. a mess. It's a mess. Um, wait, no, that's not true. Because I was actually walking down <laughs> Mugland and I passed in front of that. Uh, I said a good can... slice of pizza. Dude, it's so good. I don't know, man. Oh, I don't There's know. There's a pizzeria. I went there with Anna last week. I said a good slice Like of the one right so next good. to the Starbucks, it's so good. You think, oh, man. Maybe, okay, maybe they've gotten better since the last time I was there. Well, no, like, it, there, to I be fair, I haven't there. eaten there in probably like five years because I haven't really, I moved out of NDG right. and I miss it a lot. Um, but yeah, like when I used to work at Tavern, it was right across mm. the street and like for lunch, I would just destroy those pizzas they were so good i don't know man like i i loved that place when i was in high school and then at some point after like between then and now i went there and got like the pizza they gave me was like burnt and then i got food poisoning and Hmm. and like those were two separate occasions (laughs) i was like okay like I, i gave them a second shot after the burnt pizza and that second shot was was food poisoning and so like they're just dead to me now. Oh, yeah, you always got to you know? go to three with a food place. You got to give it another yeah. shot. But that's you the never thing. know. This was like attempts number 6,000 and 6,001. Uh, like they were great for the other 5,999. Well, see? See? Just, but, but no, they're dead to me now. It's the same thing that oh, happened with the, the Suvlaki. You know Suvlaki George? Yeah. They used course. to be great. Yeah. Then George died. Yeah. And now I don't go there anymore. Yeah. It's not good anymore. I kind of feel the same way with um, Jiaba, which is this amazing Chinese restaurant in Monkland but like the dishes I get are so spicy and every time like it's not gonna be that spicy and like I have IBS I have like to be really careful with what I eat and whatever and I'm like 
I'll be fine. And then I'm sick for like three days. Oh, and no. it's, I'm always like, oh, fuck, that was so worth it. But like, I can't do this again. I feel that. I feel that on a profound level. <laughs> that Game of Thrones ended yesterday, right? Yes. And I remembered that when I watched the premiere of that with Sam, actually, um, we ate some like goat roti right before from a place around the corner from his parents' place. And it was delicious. But I got violent diarrhea and <laughs> yeah. I, we made it about halfway through that episode and i was like i need to go to the bathroom i never finished the pilot i watched it years later uh and i was thinking about it all week last week leading up to the finale because like i'm not watching the show anymore but i knew it was ending because you can't not know the yeah, game of thrones is everywhere the game of thrones i gave up like really? season five maybe I, well, too, what it was yeah. was that i just got tired of waiting i was like yeah i might watch it like now that it's all done or, you know once i can just yeah binge it but i just gave up i don't know I, I didn't like it enough you know but um i was all of last week i was like if i get food poisoning on sunday this is my life playing a cruel joke yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like i feel like my body would bookend me like that you know yeah yeah but i did not <laughs> it's been waiting this yeah. whole time 10 years <laughs> waiting to so get excited to yeah i have a stupid shitty body that brings <laughs> us to the end of our show <laughs> Billy, thank you. This was like so much super fun me. and like really. I feel like every time I come, we never actually answer any of the questions we get. It's just me like rambling on. For we we answered this question. Minutes. We did it. But we, we told. Did. I yeah. remember so, the yes, word ethical if, if you can up. afford to do it, you know, buy ethical foods. Yeah. Um, if you can't, feel really guilty about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, Don't know, we all? Yeah, and and like take a page out of Billy's book and learn how to make something like out of something that's cheap. Because yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah like do that, food actually. waste that's... is like my big thing right now. I'm like trying to be better with that. Yeah. Once I, God, once life stabilizes, you can just puree anything and give it to your child. So like, yeah, <gasps> there is that. I don't know why that excited me. I was like, oh, that's true. <laughs> I can puree things puree for you too. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, just fuck with his taste buds now. The first, the first solid food he ate was a croissant. Oh, grabbed nice. it off the table and just like smushed it into his mouth for like an hour. Did he love it? Loved it. Covered in butter and like flaky pastry. <laughs> oh, so proud. So proud. That is your son. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. It is super helpful. It goes a long way. Do it. Uh, we also have merch, so if you want to make a one-time, you know, one-time purchase, get something nice for yourself, and do something nice for us at the same time, yeah. you can do that. Click the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. So, you know, if you don't want to give us money, screw you, but also do that. <laughs> You can't help yourself, can you, Tom? You just got to be aggressive yeah. about the money. I got to be aggressive about I need my money. I my God, I was going to go into like a please leave a review because I don't know where I stand in the world anymore. So I need other people to tell me how I'm doing. <laughs> leave a review just of Kate. <laughs> yeah, how am I doing? How, I was, is Send money okay? to Tom. Leave good reviews for Kate. <laughs> yeah. That's the balance. Uh, share this episode with a friend who drinks wine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, needs yeah. To, needs to know about natural wines. Uh, maybe share this episode with uh, a friend who needs to, you know, figure out how to eat meat ethically we didn't really answer that question though well no i mean to have more money is the answer yes yeah. <laughs> uh who else should they share this episode with share this episode with someone with a you know drinking problem 
so that they'll yeah. feel some like solace. Right. And, yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. Or but someone actually, who... can I plug another podcast on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So I, cause I was actually uh, listening to this podcast this week. Um, Dave Chang, David Chang, who's one of the greatest chefs of all time has this really cool podcast and he has one episode with uh, Steven Rinella, who's a, um, he hosts uh, hunting TV shows and they had this whole talk about, um, hunting ethically but just also like all the ethical questions that go into eating meat so uh yeah go listen to that yeah thomas Sweet. thomas listen to thomas, that one I, that's exactly <laughs> what you need to listen to is he is he a montreal chef dave chang no, no. but um i think he has done a lot for montreal food okay. he definitely helped put joe beef on the map okay um, yeah because i feel like i've heard his name yeah. Yeah, he was best friends with uh Anthony Bourdain. Okay. Uh that's it. I yeah. he he was probably on Parts Unknown at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And he also has this great show on Netflix called Ugly Delicious. Yes, yes. Yeah, that guy. There we go. Yeah. Okay. I watched that. That's the problem. <laughs> you know when you're like, I know this name, I know this person. Yeah. From, oh yeah, we went to school together for thirteen years. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what what's the name of that again? Um, it's the Dave Chang show and, uh, it's the episode, uh, with Steven Ranella. Sweet. I'm going to check that out. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, you can follow guys. the show on Twitter at down with talking each of us individually. I'm at Tonsalatni. I'm at red random and I'm at Billy F. Le Chef. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Uh, I like that. <laughs> is there anything else to plug while we're here? I'm uh. playing at Indie night, Montreal improv Saturday night at nine 30. Come check it out. Lots of laughs. I will be playing in Paris in June, so come see me if you're in Paris. (laughs) My brother lives in Paris. Really? Yeah, two of my siblings are French. Well, one of them is in Italy now. But yes, I can totally, I'll I'll send him. Sick, I'll drink natural wine with your brother. Nice. (laughs) I'll send him your way. (laughs) Uh, What do I have to play? Can we leave like the details for the show in the show description or something you have all the uh, i don't even know if there's facebook events yet but yeah. well, once fi- there find are. billy in paris. Yeah, <laughs> in paris i mean it's fashion week so yeah, yeah. if they tweet it it'll be hard to find me yeah uh crap i have something what's this weekend yeah fest is this weekend uh i'm going to be hosting a live game of jeopardy with uh two young adult authors and an audience participant cool. at yeah fest on sunday uh it's at the jewish public library so come on out if you're in montreal and you like books Sweet. Yeah. Teffer's like moderating like a thousand panels too. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Coming out. That's it's awesome. Um, yeah. Special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. I don't know what's happening in my voice, but I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> this show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatna for the Upper Network. You can find out about all our great shows at UpperNetwork.com. Yeehaw! Woo! <laughs> Billy, thanks again. Thanks, Billy. (laughs) Thank you. See you in three and a half years.
I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upward Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her pipe back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upward Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're, We're blasting, blasting off again! Ding. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>